welcome to the Three Edge View from the Edge for September 2022. I'm Fritz Foltz, the Chief Investment Strategist here, and I'm joined once again by Eric Beagleisen, Director of Investment Research and Deputy Chief Investment Officer here at Three Edge Asset Management. As we do each month, Eric and I will provide our most recent outlook for the global capital markets, which is based on our proprietary Three Edge research model. I have a great deal to cover today, so let's get started. In recent market activity, after a rally which began in mid-June, equities struggled during the month of August, the S&P finishing down over 4% after rising over 9% in July. As investors face the final four months of 2022, the S&P is currently down around 15% year-to-date, while the Nasdaq is down approximately 24% thus far in 2022. And in addition, the Bloomberg Global Aggregate Bond Index is now also in bear market territory, having declined by over 20%. This represents the most significant decline for the aggregate bond index since its inception in 1990. The big news event in August was obviously Fed Chair Powell's address to the annual Jackson Hole Symposium. The speech lasted only a little over eight minutes, but once he was finished, there was no doubt that at least for now, the Fed is committed to raising interest rates tightening monetary policy in an effort to bring down inflation to its target rate of 2%. Powell stated unequivocally that the Fed will, quote, keep at it until the job is done. In addition, this month, the Fed will begin to ramp up its quantitative tightening program, which it will reduce the size of the Fed's balance sheet and thereby drain liquidity from the financial system. Lastly, this past week, the European Central Bank, the ECB, announced that it had raised its short-term interest rates by 75 basis points, and Christine Lagarde, the ECB president, was emphatic that the ECB would need to raise rates further from here in order to bring inflation in the eurozone back to its 2% target as well. So let's get started, Eric, and why don't we take a look at the three-edge asset class matrix chart and show how our model research for the major asset classes may have changed since last month. Sure. Thanks, Fritz. Uh, we can see not such great news here uh, for risk assets like equities. We see all the equities that we model, uh, as well as credit, in the most negative spot. Uh, and we, we can get into to why that is. Some of the equities were already there, uh, but we now they are all there along with, with the credit. Gold and rates are staying in that mix slot. Commodities are actually moving up to the, the slightly positive uh, one spot there. And, uh, and cash is king in the most positive spot. And as a reminder, you know, we model cash as an asset class, which becomes particularly attractive in environments when the research isn't particularly optimistic about other asset classes, such as the situation we find ourselves in now. Excellent. So before we get started and go into greater detail, I just, I just want to mention one thing, and that is that our research model also analyzes many of the world's major currencies, right? And thus far in 2022, the U.S. dollar has strengthened considerably against many of the world's currencies, including the euro, the yen, and the Chinese yuan. And it's important to understand, or at least, you know, keep in mind that the dramatic strength of the U.S. dollar, which also is the world's reserve currency, can influence many other asset classes in the interconnected world of the global capital markets. And I know, Eric, I know you'll cover that and the impact of the strong dollar as you cycle through the asset classes. But I just wanted to bring it up because investors oftentimes don't focus on currencies. And the increase in the value of the dollar has real implications for the capital markets. So anyway, moving on. So 
yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, our model research is just very cautious in terms of equities across the board. So why don't we go into a bit more detail there, and why don't we start with the U.S. equity market? Yeah, uh, no doubt, due to the Fed's hawkish, hawkish positioning, you know, our research has moved U.S. equities to that most negative spot, uh, flattening yield curve measures alongside sharp increases in short-term rates that are likely to persist at the Fed's September FOMC meeting and perhaps again at the final two meetings of the year to follow are, are weighing negatively on U.S. equities. Though it isn't receiving much press, the Fed's intention is to ramp up the quantitative tightening or balance sheet reduction that you alluded to already at a rate of $95 billion uh, this month, which is also likely to further contribute negatively to our outlook. As we incorporate this into our, a shadow rate calculation that we've covered before, uh, which feeds directly into our yield curve measures. Yeah, absolutely. Very important. And you're right. Most people don't pay that much attention to it. So let's turn our attention to European equities. And Europe is facing real challenges now. They have very high levels of inflationary pressure, and that's exacerbated by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which has driven their cost for energy to almost unprecedented heights, particularly for natural gas and electricity, which is really troublesome as we head into the months of winter in Europe. So maybe you could give us a little bit more detail on, on what the model is telling us about European equities at this point. Yeah, yeah. The European Union continues to battle uncomfortably high inflation, as you noted, uh, now over 9% and possibly still climbing. Yeah. The uh, European Central Bank, uh, which met today is expected to lift policy rates, uh, did, did lift policy rates into positive territory now with this large 75 basis point hike at, on the deposit rate, uh, though it's too soon to know whether that would be enough to slow the region's you know, inflationary pressures or even reverse it. Uh, in the U.S., which has a similar inflation reading, uh, we've seen the Fed raise rates to the top end of their target range uh, with, with many more hikes uh, planned ahead. Uh, so Europe may be, you know, behind the curve there and, and even just getting to parity with the U.S. Also in Europe, we're seeing widening credit spreads and potential energy shortages due to Russia's control of, of key energy interests that you alluded to already, Fritz. And that's weighing negatively on the outlook for European equities as well. Yeah, and I think one of the issues in Europe is that there are not that many. There are a lot of components of inflation that they're suffering with now that really the European Central Bank doesn't have a lot of control over. So they're they're really in a bind here. So we'll keep our eye on that. But let's shift gears and look towards Asia and talk about China, which, I don't know, to me, it seems like they've been in the news all year just because of their extreme COVID lockdown measures, even in very large cities. So what is our model research indicating currently in terms of the outlook for China? Yeah, Chinese equities are also being negatively impacted by U.S. Fed policy and also hurting the outlook um, are the flattening U.S. yield curve measures that we construct as they uh, impact the Chinese economy, along with widening Chinese credit spreads, also a negative for the region. And then to compound issues further, Chinese China's currency, the yuan, which you alluded to earlier, uh, has depreciated by over 8% year-to-date through the end of August versus the dollar, which may be helpful for Chinese exporters, but difficult for individuals and corporations in China uh, importing anything from the U.S. You know, all that said, um, if there is any kind of upside here, Chinese equities may be nearing an oversold behavioral condition, where in the short term, it could be a candidate for reinvestment, um, almost like trying to catch a falling knife. So we'll be, we'll be watching that closely as well. Excellent. All right. Well, let's turn our attention now to the bond market. And this is an asset class that has, you know, really inflected some pain here this year thus far. 
Uh, as I mentioned in my opening comments, the Bloomberg Global Aggregate Bond Index is now in bear market territory, down 20 or had at least at one point been down 20 percent thus far in 2022. The most significant decline since the inception of this uh, index in 1990, which for those of us keeping score at home is 32 years. So what is the model research indicating about the outlook for fixed income markets, both interest rates where you talk about treasuries and, and sovereign credit and also credit, corporate credit in, yeah. in, 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 the, in this environment. Uh, yeah. So we've seen the U.S. 10-year treasury yields continue to oscillate between this roughly 2.6% and 3.5%, just kind of bouncing back and forth. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of a wide gap for interest rates to be moving around um, so frequently. And that's providing a mix to overall negative outlook for, for rates. Continued monetary tightening by the Fed may lead to continued U.S. dollar and therefore continued U.S. bond strength. However, that presumes less aggressive tightening measures by other of the world's major central banks, which has been the case up until recently, as we're seeing more and more aggressive responses by central banks globally, like the ECB just today. You know, the threat from rising yields, particularly outside of this range, has led to a less favorable outlook for intermediate term treasury inflation protected securities or TIPS. Uh, however, the shorter term TIPS uh, mm -hmm. continue to present an attractive risk return trade off by providing a periodic adjustment of the bond's principle of CPI plus a positive real yield close to around 10%, yeah. uh, but with significantly lower duration risk than their intermediate term uh, cousins. And then, as we mentioned, alongside equities, the credit outlook has moved uh, down a notch to maximum negative spot. Mm -hmm. uh, as the Fed's hawkish comments could eventually wreak havoc uh, in the corporate debt markets, should companies find themselves unable to take out new loans or be forced to refinance existing debts at unexpectedly higher yields. All right. Excellent. All right. Shifting gears out of fixed income, let's take a look at real assets. So we'll look at both gold and commodities. Commodities have given some back, but they still are one of the few asset classes that have a positive return thus far in 2022. So what are we seeing in terms of both gold and commodities in the real asset area? Yeah, gold maintains a mixed outlook. Uh, in the shorter term, gold may suffer setbacks as the U.S. dollar continues to strengthen against major trading partners as the Fed uh, tightens monetary policy perhaps faster and more aggressively than, than other major central banks that we've discussed. Um, however, should the Fed not be able to bring inflation down as quickly as market participants are currently pricing in, we may see real yields begin to decline, uh, which would be a positive for gold in the longer term. Right. Uh, with regard to commodities, the outlook is mixed to positive. Favorable valuation measures alongside increasing global inflation across the commodity spectrum are all positives for the space. Um, the caveat, though, is that if equity markets do suffer a pullback and the outlook for economic growth diminishes, commodities could struggle, broadly speaking. On the other hand, the agricultural-focused commodities may be a slightly more protected area of the commodities asset class as you know, widespread drought and extreme weather conditions negatively impact production, and that's good for, for those types of commodities. Regardless of the economic climate, you know, people, people have to eat, right, uh, right. so demand shouldn't wane too much. Right. Excellent. So you had mentioned cash earlier, and I, I'm really happy that you did because we don't always – well, maybe we do, but we don't always go – too far into the cash, cash equivalents, which would be also short-term fixed income uh, instruments. But as you said, there are periods of time when short-term fixed income and cash can be an attractive asset class. And 
As we saw from your asset class matrix at the beginning of the video, this seems to be one of those periods. So perhaps just a little bit more detail about the outlook for and the current you know, role of cash and cash equivalents uh, in, in an investment strategy. Yeah, uh, short-term fixed income and cash equivalents can become you know, this attractive asset class, particularly when other asset classes such as stocks and bonds and real assets are facing periods of elevated risk. Uh, and during periods when short-term interest rates are rising, like we're, we're currently witnessing, cash can help protect portfolios from downside risk. It can, serve as, it can serve as dry powder to be invested at more attractive valuations following market declines. Uh, and in the meanwhile, we're collecting yield on, on the cash as well. Excellent. All right, great. Thanks, Pat. And thanks for the update on the outlook from our three-edge research model. That will do it for Eric and me, but we'll be back again in early October with the next edition, the Three Edge View from the Edge. If you would like a hard copy of our full View from the Edge newsletter for September, you will find that on our website at threeedgeam.com. And as a reminder, our entire library of video content is always available on our Three Edge YouTube channel. So on behalf of Eric and everyone here at Three Edge, thanks for listening. This commentary is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities. The opinions expressed in View from the Edge are those of Mr. Foltz and Mr. Beagleisen and are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market conditions. This commentary is not intended to provide personal investment advice and does not take into account the unique investment objectives and financial situation of the listener. Investors should only seek investment advice from their financial advisor. The observations include information from sources that 3Edge believes to be reliable, but the accuracy of such information cannot be guaranteed. Investments, including common stocks, fixed income, commodities, and ETFs, all involve a risk of loss that investors should be prepared to bear.